I'm Stefan Sittig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theater administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. Priyanka Shetty is an award-winning actor, director, and playwright, heralded by the New York Times as someone to watch. Her critically acclaimed one-woman show, The Elephant in the Room, has been performed at numerous venues across the country, including at the Kennedy Center, and will be staged at the 2022 Edinburgh Fringe as part of the Assembly Festival. Priyanka made her off-Broadway debut with her second solo play, Hashtag Charlottesville, at the Drama Desk Award-winning 59 East 59 Theaters, East to Edinburgh Festival, in July 2021. She was also handpicked for the prestigious Kennedy Center Playwriting Intensive 2021, where she will be completing work on The Wall, the final play in her triptych of solos. Priyanka earned a Master of Fine Arts in Acting from the University of Virginia and has served on the faculty of the University of Virginia's Department of Drama. Hi, Priyanka. Hi, Stefan. How, how are you? How are you? Thank you so much for being on American Theater Artists Online. We're so glad that we're able to talk to you. Oh, my gosh. It's my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out to me and having me on this. Absolutely. You know, we always like to talk to people um, who we consider are leading figures in contemporary American theater. And you, uh, the work that you've been doing, especially on your triptych of plays, um, has been so interesting to watch the development of it. And it's also something that I think warrants us uh, doing a deeper dive today to find out more about where you're going. Uh, it seems like the New York Times has has, has uh, found out about you and there was a recent article uh, about your um, several plays to watch and yours was one of the ones that um, was suggested. Uh, hashtag Charlottesville was the play. Yeah. So yeah, that must was, be exciting. It was really exciting. I wasn't really expecting that at all. And, uh, you know, the line... Uh, the mention that the uh, play got was, oh, this is what stood out to me. And uh, like Anna DeVere Smith, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> I was like, wow, me and Anna DeVere Smith in the same sentence on New York Times. <laughs> That must have felt great, right? And so you've written, you've written. it's good that you bring up Anna DeVere Smith because I was going to talk to you about her influence on you, if, if there was any, and also uh, Moises Kaufman and the Teutonic Theatre Company, both of whom uh, were dealing in works where you interview people and then create an artistic piece, a play uh, uh, out of that you fashion, which seems like some of what you've done, but it's not everything you've done. So let's talk a bit about your, let's dive right in. I want to dive right in to talk about your triptych, yeah, your triptych of plays that you've written that deal with various themes on race, white supremacy, the immigrant experience. 
It's a lot, I know, but can you break down for us each of these three plays and what they're about and how did they come about? Sure. Um, so the first play in the triptych, The Elephant in the Room, is an autobiographical true story uh, kind of play, which talks about my transition from living and working in India to moving to America and, of course, the career transition that happened. Um, and the culture shock, of course, but also the whole idea of settling into a, a field um, where everything everything was so new and all of it happened at the same time. Um, so that was my first uh, solo show that I brought to the stage. And uh, Hashtag Charlottesville is the second play in the series, which talks about the city of Charlottesville uh, through the lens of what happened on August 11th and 12th, 2017, when the white supremacist rally um, uh, happened in, in, on our university grounds and in Charlottesville. The third play that I'm completing right now uh, completes the triptych. Uh, it's called The Wall, and that's about the immigrant experience in America. Um, so yeah, it talks about the whole detention center issue. But uh, in addition to America, I'm also opening up the lens and talking about two other countries. I'm talking about Brexit in the UK and the Hindu-Muslim communal uh, riots and tension that has existed. And tying all of these back to colonization and how it has its roots in that. So uh, yeah, the third play really wraps it up and provides uh, sort of a zoomed out perspective that ties together all of the issues that each of these plays present. Uh, wonderful. And are all three of these plays uh, written to be performed um, by one person, a solo show, or are they... Yes, okay. uh, it's a triptych of solos. A triptych of yes. solo plays. And are you the main performer in those three? Yes, as of now, yes. But in the future, I hope somebody else will take over. <laughs> Although Hashtag Charlottesville also exists in an ensemble format. Oh. Uh, and it can be performed uh, both by an ensemble and by a solo performer. Great. Let's talk a little bit about Hashtag Charlottesville, because I think of, of you know, of those three, it may be the one that um, may um, get the most attention uh, from audience, general audiences in the U.S. because of its association around, you know, the events of, of August 2017. Um, as a person who myself, you know, was a student at UVA uh, way back when and I know that you went to uh, you get your graduate degree at, at UVA in theater. Um, yeah. There is a personal side to this, right? To the to the it's 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 uh, the the Charlottesville is where the University of Virginia is located. For those listening that may not know, and so there was an experience. At least I'll tell you, I was in um, training at the time for my work, and I was in a hotel room um, not far from Charlottesville, and looking at the the images on the news and. Mm-hmm. I was so, um, I, I was moved to tears. I started crying. Uh, not so much, I mean, obviously because of all the horrible things that were happening, but it felt personal to me as to watch these people with torches walking on the grounds of my university. It was very disturbing. Did you have a similar um, reaction? Yeah, it was a really visceral reaction. I couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, like you, I was also watching uh, videos of the Torchlit rally on my phone as it was being live streamed. Mm-hmm. And I was in Columbus, Ohio at the time because we were on our summer break. Mm-hmm. And I just could not believe that this was happening in um the city of Charlottesville and on our university grounds. Um, at that point... I was still, you know, in the process of 
getting to know America and getting to know Charlottesville. So I had a certain um, idea about what it was and this made me really want to dig deeper. So that feeling of that wanting to go on that quest really deepened on that day. And um, the next semester when we went back to the university, um, I had full intentions of, you know, I didn't know exactly how I would start writing the play or what my in was, like, you know, what is the um, idea behind, uh, what would my approach be for hashtag shows? I was still in the process of figuring that out. Mm. Uh, but that semester when we went back uh, to UVA, I happened to be at the receiving end of something extremely racist at the university. Mm. And that really was like a punch in the gut in addition to what I had seen. And, uh, you know, um, and this was something, had, this was something you experienced as a student. As a student, okay. yes, as an international student. Wow. Uh, and, you know, I didn't expect it to happen in a mm. place where, you know, I was welcome. And, you know, mm. um, I, I thought that everybody is rooting for me. Everybody wants to wants me to succeed. And there were already a couple of red flags along the way, you know, like the microaggressions that you don't want to think too much about or you know report to anyone and then when that happened I had all of these feelings surface because that was my first instance because in India of course where I grew up I had experienced you know sexism and the patriarchy and a lot of colorism a lot of other things but this was the first time that it had been so blatant that I was being discriminated against because of my race and ethnicity. Mm. That was new to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, this, and uh, this happened right after the events of that summer, right. 2017. Wow. Okay. And I, yeah, and I couldn't help but think that, oh, mm. suddenly is it okay mm. to be openly racist that, you know, yeah. that it will be tolerated and nobody's going to say anything about mm. it. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it was sort of swept under the rug. And even though I tried to bring it up with, um, uh, you know, authorities at the department and the university, nothing was done. So I realized that even before I could approach the topic of what happened in Charlottesville that summer, I had to really unpack what I was going through artistically. And that's how The Elephant in the Room was born. Uh, and of course, it has the full uh, humorous, uh, sort of introduction to the cultural differences and then the play gets progressively darker mm-hmm. um, which is something I didn't see happening um, mm-hmm. I had this idea of oh I'll write a solo show someday and uh, what the audience doesn't see you know they don't see it coming uh, during mm-hmm. the course of the show because it's really humorous and funny until it's not and it's gotten suddenly dark yeah. and and then when I had the idea of okay fine I've performed this play, I've written it, and I was like, okay, I need to start thinking about hashtag Charlottesville. That's when the connection at that point, I realized that the elephant in the room leads to hashtag Charlottesville. Mm. Maybe it is that character going on the quest, and it's quite meta that way, that really, (laughs) that's how it happened in real life. But yeah, that was the story behind it. Wow, and so when you were in, in the process of putting these plays together, so it sounds like you were working on the elephant in the room and then on the Charlottesville um, play developed after that. Um, the did you have anyone that was helping you, or did was this something that you you know? Because sometimes writing can be a very um, 
solo, you know, lonely thing. A lot of people who write for a living tell me, you know, I spend a lot of time by myself at my computer or on my desk or, you know. But did you have anyone that you could bounce ideas off of? A friend, a colleague, a mentor? Oh, I had a mentor, yes. I have a mentor. Uh, So we call her, uh, out of love, we call her Lady T, but I'm talking about Teresa M. Davis, who's a professor Mm -hmm. at um, uh, the UVA Department of Drama. And, you know, it was really from the very first semester, even though she wasn't necessarily someone who taught us, she didn't teach us one semester, but she was my mentor throughout. Mm -hmm. And obviously I ended up going to her with these ideas and, and, she would like totally support that and um you know sort of (laughs) um nurture it almost like when elephant in the room was a 70 page unreadable script (laughs) (laughs) well you have to get it all out on the page first yeah 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 yeah. i overwrote and um yeah she was there to read that version and even till today like she directed um uh, the last three versions of Elephant in the Room and totally lifted it into mm. from realism to magic realism. The things that we've done every mm. time we work together, mm. it's amazing what we excavate and sort of bring out. Of the, it's like a gift that keeps giving. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. So you've developed a collaboration there then as well, which is wonderful. Because I was thinking, you know, it's difficult when you're a solo artist and you're writing these plays <sighs> and they're solo plays. It must feel lonely, but it's good to hear that that you have someone that you that you can work with and that can help bounce ideas off of that's that's critical right i think at least absolutely so, yeah i so, think yeah so teresa or lady t as you call her was was helping you um get through some of this so here you are in charlottesville right so talk a bit about you talk you mentioned at the very beginning of that we'll go back to talk about the play hashtag charlottesville in in a second because i, I definitely want you to talk more about the play itself but before we even do that i want to talk a bit about something that i think i may share with you in terms of my experience you know when you arrived in Charlottesville, right, from, now you would, you would come from India, right? But did yes, you come from yeah. India? Did you come straight from India to Charlottesville or were you already acclimated? No, I lived in States? Columbus. That's okay. my uh, connection there, which is why okay. I was there that summer. So I lived in Columbus for about a year where I got some training. You know, I worked with a acting coach and developed my MFA acting portfolio. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so, so I was there for a little less than a year. Um, so I was still pretty green sure, <laughs> in terms of sure. my relationship with America. Because um, it is a yeah, shock, I, isn't it? Because, you know, I grew up in Brazil. I grew uh-huh. up outside of the U.S. And then my first experience coming to the U.S. back at, at 17, I had left at the age of six, um, was going to Charlottesville to go to school. So um, my first, I have to say, my first six months at, at UVA were difficult. For me, Uh I remember as a Latinx student looking around for the other Latinx students, for anyone who spoke Portuguese or who spoke Spanish, and there were very few. I remember at at at, at a convocation, they told us we were one percent of the of the university at the time was what they called Hispanic back then. Now, now it's so there weren't many of us to be found. So I felt a little alone. I can't imagine for you what the culture shock uh, must have been. I felt alone all the time mm. because in our department, mm-hmm. I was the first um, student of Indian descent to be, you know, included in the graduate program, mm-hmm. and I was the second international student ever. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also otherwise, I wasn't seeing a lot of um, South Asians uh, mm-hmm. at UVA, and yes. the. F- 
yeah, there were a few, but mm-hmm. then, yeah, I did end up over the course of three years finding four or five people that I hung out with, <laughs> but I, I was under the impression that this is what the acting community looked like, even outside of uh, Charlotte, of Virginia, because I would go into these spaces and more often than not, I was the only South Asian woman in mm-hmm. the room. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but thankfully that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very different up here in Northern Virginia. You get a lot of yes. uh, people from South South Asia and Southeast Asia. Uh, but so um, tell me, so you had this culture shock, obviously, and so that was part of the adjustment. And then you're acclimating to get your, your you're, you're in a new program in a pretty intensive, right, uh, program, which is the Master of Fine Arts program in theater at uh-huh. UVA, which I know is, is, is pretty intense and you get a, co- a cohort of, of students that all go through this program together. Um, what, what did, how did that impact? Did that have impact on your writing and what you were putting on the page for the stage? It did. Uh, so, but here's the thing. Um, our, our program was so focused on acting and acting only Mm -hmm. that more often than not, we weren't encouraged to, um, to explore, other uh, opportunities like playwriting and directing because I remember expressing an interest like early on um, maybe in the first or second semester and there was like no this is a program this is an MFA in acting and this is what we'll focus on but in in a way that sort of like when you're told you can't have something you wanted even more (laughs) right so you find a way you find a way for it yeah. yeah and finally uh, I think it was our final semester. I finally got that independent study <laughs> the writing professor when I'd already written the script of The Elephant in the Room and I was working on Hashtag Charlottesville at that point. So I did get some uh, feedback and input uh, then. But a lot of times it was doing something in spite of, you know, <laughs> yeah. that sort of, which I think is also helpful, but in a, sort of a reverse psychology kind of yeah. Way. So I have I have a uh, question for you. So I'm very intrigued by this and, and I do want to talk about the play. I promise we'll get there. But um, <laughs> what is your view of the United States? And I know it's a complex question, but, you know, seeing it, I think those of us who were raised elsewhere, um, mm. we see the country from the outside. And I know myself having been raised outside of the U.S. Um, so what is your view of the U.S. and how does it differ from your life in India and, and, and so what do you think you bring of India with you mm. when you're working on, on a piece here in the US? My view of the US or, or at least my understanding of it right now is that it is a, a bubble, right? Where mm. it's like the US is the whole world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there is very little need to look at anything outside of the US. Whereas for us it was mm-hmm you know, the whole idea of being westernized. We are always looking at outside. We are looking at uh, Europe. We are looking at the U.S. We are uh, reading your news, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I felt that in in India, there's, there was an idea of what the U.S. is because of all, also because of the kind of content we're consuming, right? We're watching right. Friends as well and we're watching Seinfeld. <laughs> and we have this idea of... <laughs> Uh, what the U.S. is portrayed to be. And I think that's where the shock comes in. (laughs) It's not quite that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so it's it's kind of a naive idea about what the U.S. is. Um, So that is one. There's also a lot of... so, So when... 
and I think because of that being in a bubble sort of a thing and the uh, really complex history that the nation has, there is a certain feeling towards the other, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that that's a word that came up a lot, even during my grad school program, that um, what do you do with her otherness is something mm. that someone said. Like, uh, Priyanka's a great actor. What do we do with her otherness? She's so other. Um, <laughs> and that's a problem in yeah. America. Like, you know, that there is a certain need for um, the for people to be homogenous. Yes. Because they and are, I don't yeah. understand that. Like, I don't either. Why is and, that a good thing? Yeah, and I, I think it's funny. We went somewhere. We got lost. I don't know where, but mm-hmm. it used to be that that when people did come to the United States, there was this concept. You know, started in I think the '60s. They didn't really take. Uh, of the melting pot, right? That Americans were to, uh, the people were to come to America from wherever, from around the world. And once they made a decision to come to America, then the idea was that you would assimilate, that you would somehow integrate yourself into American culture. You could be from somewhere else. You could look differently. That was sort of the naive view. And that we could all somehow come together and, and, and be American first and whatever yeah. else we are second. And I think the country yeah. very much imposes that on you, right? It's like you mm-hmm. must get rid of everything else that happened before in your life. And you must, that could be secondary, but primary must be your love of America. And somehow, I don't know, it's a very difficult thing to ask someone to do, right? Uh, I, yeah. I, I found it myself um, um, very challenging. Uh, and I am a born in America and I find it very challenging. So, mm-hmm. so, so here you are coming uh, into, you know, uh, a relatively, um, you know, rarefied air, I would say, of the the halls of, of the grounds of the University of Virginia after having been, you know, elsewhere and being considered, quote unquote, the other. And uh, uh, did you find there, so you, you had a hard time finding other others uh, while there to maybe, um, to, that, that could understand your experience or did you feel completely foreign in all sense of the words? No, there were, I did find people, although there were very few and far between. Mm -hmm. So it's, here's the thing. So there's also two extremes, right? So one curious thing to me was not once did my cohort of three years ask me anything about where I was from. (laughs) You know, I was like, aren't you curious? Don't you want to know what it's like, what, what life was like? Not once did it come up or if, and, and when people would ask me, let's say, you know, in the community or, or mm-hmm. wherever, even in other cities, it's like they can't talk about anything but that. Then it becomes like you can't see beyond. <laughs> then it's the only topic, right? And it's the only you. topic. You have to have one or the other. You can't have. You can't be a person who does theater and also be from India. Uh, it's like one. <laughs> it's like you have to talk about only one thing at a time. So let's talk a bit about the fact that you are from India and you're doing theater. Um, I know very little about theater in India. Um, I, I can imagine there is a huge, um, I know about Bollywood, which I think most Americans, that's what they know about India, <laughs> yeah. and that's performing and singing and, and film. But um, I can imagine that there's a huge theater tradition in India. So, but oh, yeah. I will still ask you, regardless of the theater tradition in India, how did you get your start in theater? Because um, was it something you always wanted to do? Because I know at one point you were a software engineer, is that right? <laughs> I was, How yeah. Did that in fact, Tell us about oh the gosh. 
Yes. Okay, this is my favorite story to tell. Yes. Okay, so my undergrad was in computer science, and I did mm. end up working um, as a software engineer at a software company. And I was always in in school. I'd always be interested in literature. I joined the drama club, and you know, you, you know, when certain teachers take tell you that you're really good at something and then you start taking a lot of interest in that mm-hmm. kind of yeah. <laughs> something like that happened but it, it was lost along the way so I had I didn't really approach theater or, or go on stage um, like after school until mm-hmm. I was employed at that software company and I remember distinctly I read a novel that I really want thought would work extremely well on stage. It was, the novel is called Chokher Bali and it's written by Rabindranath Tagore who's a Nobel laureate in literature mm-hmm. and uh, he's from Kolkata, India. So I read that and I was in love with the uh, protagonist um, and I was like, oh gosh, I so want to play this person. And mm-hmm. then I was like, how am I going to do that? I'm <laughs> software company and I'm working a nine to five job. And yeah. so we used to get these really amazing theater troops from Mumbai uh, who were invited to our company to perform for the employees, right? Mm-hmm. So we had these employee engagement events. So I decided that um, somehow we would end up, like I could put together a theater group and we would end up performing like they did um, because we'd be much cheaper or they wouldn't have to pay us at all because <laughs> we were employees of the company. Right. So I adapted that novel into a script. So that was my first kind of mm. play, kind of introduction to putting a play together. Um, I adapted it into a script and into a play and I approached other software engineers who were kind of like me, stuck in the wrong job, <laughs> who was supposed to be actors or other creative folks and um, ended up in this job because in India you can either be a doctor or an engineer, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I cast them in it and I'd also directed this. So every day during lunch hours and after work, we would meet um, in this building on the topmost floor. It was kind of like a banquet hall. And we would rehearse there. And we did this for almost a year. Hmm. And wow. I approached uh, the HR person who organized these employee engagement events. And I said, hey, listen, so we have a play. So we were hoping that we could stage that. And we have this amazing 2,500-seater auditorium it was humongous um and i said maybe we can perform it there Hmm. and she had every intention of saying no but she agreed to come watch it and later on she told us that she was only going to watch two minutes of it and then leave saying it's not possible but she watched the whole thing and Hmm. then after we finished performing it she was like okay let's talk dates and let's talk budgets and Stefan, it was amazing when wow. we finally performed it. It was this, it was magical. I had never felt that sort of a thrill of becoming another person on stage and creating a world and the audience being so immersed. People miss their evening shuttles and mm-hmm. um, they stayed back. And th- we had this uh, bulletin board, which was like an online thing where people would talk about different topics. And this was the top topic okay. uh, people spoke about for three weeks mm. people we got a standing ovation they rushed on stage and 
I've never seen anything like this. Wow. Folks from the audience came on stage and I remember this one woman, she held my face in her hands and she's like, you're going to go places. Mm. And at that point I was like, what does she, does this person think that I could do this for a living? Yeah. That's when the, you know, the bug. <laughs> right, when it hits you. Right. Yeah. 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 And then and you thought like, maybe you could. Right. And so that's uh, that's a great story. I mean, it sounds like that. So w- within doing, while doing this other job uh, at Software Engineer, you were able to keep creativity alive and, to, and to, 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 to spark, you know, to keep your creative flame going at the same time. Yeah, and then it became a thing. Uh, the mm-hmm. next time, our budget was tripled when, and we did My Fair Lady. Uh, <laughs> wow. We went all out with costumes. So, sure. so yeah, uh, that was my the, the moment where I knew that the, if I have a calling, then this is it. And uh, when I completed five years in the company, I was <laughs> literally Googling MBA programs because that's what you do in India. If you want to do something creative, you do an MBA. But mm. someone just walked past me, one of my colleagues, and she's like, why aren't you looking for master's programs in acting? Mm. And I was like, there's such a thing. I didn't even know that. Right. You know? <laughs> I didn't even mm. know that was a thing. And then the first thing that came up on my search results was University of Maryland, the fully funded program. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you can get full funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where, you know, the journey really started. I'm really Googling everything on my own because I couldn't approach anyone. Sure. Nobody had done an MFA in acting, like at least in my circle. Right? So, how did you, so how did you hone in on the University of Virginia of all places? <laughs> uh, one, it was <laughs> fully funded so it's sure. a great gig. It's right. a great gig. You get to teach. You mm-hmm. you earn your MFA, but you also get a lot of teaching experience. I attended some of the classes before I joined, and I really enjoyed them. I thought this is the kind of training that I want. Mm-hmm. We have a really strong acting component as well yeah. in our. Um, um, so yeah, I think it, and I also had Cal Arts, uh, but it was like oh my gosh, do I want to go all the way, you know, to the other side of um, the country and incur a lot of loans and, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was um, a financial decision as well uh, in addition to an artistic one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you made the right one because there you were in Charlottesville and as fate, you know, fate intervened. Oh gosh, Right, for everything that happened to you and what these plays that you're now um, really becoming known for at the moment, at least the, these plays um, are are based on your experiences there. And and if you didn't go to Charlottesville, you may not have had this hashtag Charlottesville play to write. So let's Absolutely. talk. So I let's think talk it was about, Let's talk yeah. about um, that play then. Let's let's shift back to that because I did promise I would get to talk about the actual play. <laughs> Tell us. I know yes. you've written you've written several plays, but let's talk specifically about hashtag Charlottesville, which was the play also that the New York Times. Um, mentioned um, what what is the play about how is it structured how did you put it together tell us a little bit more about the germination of you, you talked about sort of the inspiration from what happened in the summer of 2017 but for, then how did you go about putting the play together right so I knew that somebody had to write a play about this it had to be we've got to talk about this for a long time I didn't want to be that person so I just waited <laughs> <laughs> for uh, a while and then I, I heard that there were some people from New York who approached Live Arts which is a theatre company in Charlottesville about writing a play about August 11th and 12th and they were not interested because you know if they felt that they were going to capitalise on 
you know, hot topic. Mm -hmm. So it was really when it was after Elephant Room, after I'd written it, I still didn't have an in because I, Mm -hmm. at many levels, didn't feel like I was the best person to write about it. And then Mm -hmm. um, we had... Moises uh, Kaufman visit as a um, guest speaker. He was launching his book on moment work. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember we had an interaction with him as grad students. And some of the community members were also there. And somebody asked him, you know, why don't, why doesn't Tectonic Theatre Project make another play um, this time about uh, what happened in Charlottesville? Mm-hmm. And he said that it is, you know, you need to write that play mm. because, you know, you're in the community. And I was really fascinated by the whole um, process that the Tectonic Theatre Project followed in terms of going to Laramie, Wyoming, interviewing people there and constructing the script verbatim mm-hmm. from those interview transcripts. And that was it for me. I thought that, yes, this is something that is exactly how this play needs to be approached, that it needs to be not my own words only, but it needs to be the words of the people in this community. Right. And mm-hmm. I also didn't want the play to become about those two dates, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it's a lot more complex than that. And we'd already seen a lot of documentaries which spoke about, you know, an hour-by-hour hour analysis of what happened on that day. And sure. it was facts and facts and facts and uh, figures and um, what happened. But a major part of what was missing in the story was what the people of Charlottesville went through, mm-hmm. what they've yeah. been going through and continue to go through. Mm. Right. Um, so you're so inspired. Like, so you're inspired by Moises Kaufman, who was uh, with Tectonic Theater Company, came to UVA, and and you know yes. the the Laramie Project. For those listening or that may not know, I mean, most people listening to podcasts probably know about the Laramie Project. I had Mercedes Herrero on the on this uh, podcast yes. a couple of um, seasons ago, and we talked about her her experiences being in that play and the development and crafting of of the Laramie Project, which was about the the senseless and horrible. Um, murder of Matthew Shepard in uh, Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, but, you know, it, it, so, so, so there is, I was going to ask you, so there, there was an inspiration then from pretty much from Moises himself to some extent. Yes, you you yes. had it in your head, but you weren't sure you had the permission almost. You almost needed him to tell you, go ahead and write it, to feel like you could, you could have the permission to do so. <laughs> Yeah, because sometimes you feel like you need a tectonic theater project to come to Charlottesville and write the story, not realizing that, hey, we could be. And a lot of community members were telling me when I was, you know, sort of going back and forth Mm -hmm. that you may be a good person to write about this because you come, you're sort of coming in from a as neutral as you can get perspective. Right, you're not, you you're not you a Republican, you're not a Democrat. You're not born in the US. Right. You're, not, you're not from yeah. Charlottesville. So um, you're yeah. just there um, as a student and then, you know, and being a, yeah, absolutely. What a great, what a great idea. And so then, the, so then the idea sparked and, and, and it sort of started take off energy, right? After, uh, take off with some energy after Moises visit. So what did you do? Did you, did you go out and literally interview people? How did you select who to interview? I always find this fascinating. Yeah. Initially it was, of course, people who I already knew in the community who were there as founded protesters on, on that mm-hmm. day. So it was very organic. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. so you're familiar with Blue Six, right? The, 
black box kind of a classroom space we have in the basement yes. at the drama department. Six. Yes, it's been a while since yeah. I've been in there, but yes, I do know what it is. <laughs> yes, all of us, anyone who's, I'm also a UVA drama graduate, so undergrad, so anyone who's been to the UVA Department of Drama and has been a student there knows about B006 that we call Boo <laughs> 6, which is a small little cramped room with no windows. So you did most That's of the right. work, you, you, you had people interview, did you interview people in there? Yes, I snuck them in because I didn't know whether I had permission. I never asked for permission if I... <laughs> good, good for you. Good for you. I, I was very sneaky about it. Sure, and I was sure. like, this is the only... And of course, you know, I was still a grad student. I had all of the graduate student load and home, mm -hmm. the work that we had to do and our thesis and all of that. Yeah. So I was basically pulling time from weekends and, you know, yeah, uh, after, yeah. yeah. So, so I had to wait until the coast was clear. Yeah, so and then I would you, sneak these people in. <laughs> how did you decide on who you were going to interview? I mean, that must have been a daunting task to sit there it and was. go, who do I interview? Did you purposely try to find a wide swath of people? Uh, I, wanted, I, I wanted it to, one, be representative of the actual diversity you see in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't only UVA professors or students that I would, because that is one side of the story. Sure. So, and I made that very uh, clear to everyone who I spoke to as well. So I started off with people I knew. And at the end of the interview, I would say, hey, is there anyone else that mm -hmm. you know? And I also had a list of people that I wanted to talk to based on, you know, all mm -hmm. the research that I had done. And it just uh, so beautifully led from one person to the other mm -hmm. and soon I had this amazing network of individuals who represented literally almost every conceivable you know mm -hmm. uh, demographic that I wanted to speak to mm -hmm. and it eventually also it led me to uh, Susan Bro, Heather Hire's mom and mm -hmm. uh, the dean at UVA who was was present on August 11th you know sort mm -hmm. of helping the students when the Torchlet rally happened sure. so um mm -hmm. So yeah, eventually it was close to a hundred interviews. Someday oh I would do nine yeah. interviews back to back on the same day. Wow! Not realizing how emotionally draining it would be. Uh, I was gonna say that sounds exhausting in a good way, but so then you have all yeah. this material, right? You have all these <laughs> interviews. I'm just fascinated by this process. Um, and then what do you do? How do you select uh, the process of then editing and selecting what material goes where and what what goes in the play first of all and what goes where? Yeah, it was it was a daunting task, uh, really, because you know where do you begin, right? But then, I think I did a great. Uh, I made a really great decision of doing all of these interviews by myself. Initially, I was like, maybe you know, when we did the ensemble shows, like maybe we should have the actors interview them just like Tectonic did. Mm -hmm. But somehow schedules didn't line up, and I just I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do all of them. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so glad I did that because the process of writing had already begun. Mm -hmm. I would see, you know certain threads would emerge and in my mind I knew what the play could be and it was then a process of you know finding that and piecing it together so it was really going to one transcribing the whole thing right mm -hmm. and that that writing process was happening in my mind as I was transcribing too where I exactly knew where I should go you know, to find certain bits of text about. And the interviews tied so beautifully into each other, the transcripts from one person, what one person said to what another person said. And, you know, 
it, it's amazing. Like sometimes I find it hard to believe. How did these two people know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's like they had a conversation. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I found that myself in, in when creating a lot of, of pieces or, or um, devising something or even just working on a show that it's funny how um, things fall into place at some point and one thing leads to another and you're when you were talking about transcribing I, I i find personally whenever you work with something like that a recording or and transcribing is actually really good for the brain because you are putting it all in right you're putting yes it all, um, it's such a fascinating such a fascinating process that that i think helps to have it all in your brain so that when you do have to make those choices you can kind of shift it around in your brain right and this was so so how did it get from that to the page so you've, you've got your play you're crafting it i know it takes time to put that together then how did that move from that to getting it performed somewhere or getting it on the stage did you do the first pr performance yourself by yourself or was it an ensemble piece it was an ensemble piece and it was actually we devised it using um uh, tectonic theater projects moment work uh, whatever little i knew of it at that time i wasn't uh, a trainer a certified trainer at that point but um but yeah i put an ensemble of actors together from the community yeah. and i would go in with transcripts that i knew i wanted mm. in in the play right. and we would we would devise and then mm. i would go back and write so it was a very iterative process and wow. the scenes just, um, mm -hmm. you know, sort of, and I was also directing it. So I had like, kind of like amazing artistic control. I was going to say you had, you had an, eye on it, an eye on it then if you're also directing. I was talking to someone else on a podcast, a couple on the same podcast, a couple of months ago about writing a piece and then directing your own piece and how that's mm -hmm. somehow frowned upon sometimes in yeah. theater circles. And yet he was saying, Absolutely, people should should be direct should be um, directing their piece. They wrote it. They should absolutely be the ones uh, to to shepherd it into where it needs to be. And then once it's up and running, others can direct it. I thought that was an interesting perspective because there is sort of a prejudice in our community for some reason I don't understand uh, about a, a writer directing their own piece. So you got to direct your own the first production. Yes, yes, I was. And I, I'd spoken to Live Arts, which is, mm -hmm. as you know, located just a few feet from where the car attack happened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yes. you know, on they the downtown, are... On the downtown mall in Charlottesville. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, and I only later, later found out that other playwrights had also approached them and they mm -hmm. had sent them away. But whatever, at that time, Brie Luck was the artistic director at mm -hmm. Live Arts. And I remember talking to her and saying, I want to present both of these plays together because mm -hmm. I do think one of one ties into the other or they are linked in some way. At that point, I didn't exactly know it was going to be a triptych. Um, and yeah, they were very, very welcoming and uh, we performed um, at their main stage. And uh, it was the day we performed the play, Stefan, it was the most, the most amazing theatrical experience I've ever had because the people who were in those seats in the audience were the people who were counter-protesters on the streets on those two days and it uh, was yeah. there was some healing that happened that day okay. Susan Bro was in the audience and mm -hmm. uh, yeah the conversations the community conversations happened that happened after that was what I I knew was the point of it all right you know 
the reason uh, we're performing this, these plays, including Elephant in the Room, is sure, it's great that, you know, the performance is happening, but the end goal or what I'm really working towards is the, uh, are those conversations mm-hmm. that happen after. That's where the real work happens. Uh, we leave with these questions, yeah. That's the community yeah. piece of it and the being able, like you said, to create some healing in the community and then take it to the next level. So let's talk about from that moment in um, Charlottesville at Live Arts Theater when the play gets done at that time as an ensemble piece for the first time in a, in a professional setting, in a, in a, you know, a major setting. And then it goes from there. Let's fast forward all the way to the summer. What, what a development. Uh, going, performing the play, do, having your off-Broadway debut this summer with the same play, this time you performing it by yourself sort of in a the model of Anna Devere Smith, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so what was that? Did you, how was that journey happened? I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, you know, it was actually someone, it was one of the directors, I think the uh, artistic director of Firehouse Theater in Richmond mm-hmm. said it, uh, that, you know what, you should do hashtag Charlottesville as a solo show. And at that point I was like, no, it works so well as an ensemble piece, like why, mm-hmm why I make it into a solo piece. But I was also struggling with um, getting this piece produced after that, um, especially because there were seven ensemble members. It's a new play. It's the risk theaters would be taking. It's a topic that's, you know, sort of um, uh, kind of like a hot button issue sure, at that risky. point, at least. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a risky topic. You don't know what's going sure. And then um, trying to get seven people and, and yeah, yeah. It's much easier to do it with one person. <laughs> right. And I wanted what Elephant in the Room had going at that point. Mm-hmm. I just performed at the Kennedy Center mm-hmm. and, you know, I had all of these other uh, opportunities open up all over the U.S. And I, I wanted that for Hashtag Charlottesville more than I wanted it for Elephant in the Room because that is the more timely topic to talk about. Of course, Elephant in the Room has important issues it addresses, True. but Hashtag Charlottesville, like especially after what happened at the Capitol, you know, mm-hmm. and how only then people were remembering oh yeah what happened to Charles so people forget very easily and I and I don't want us to forget I want us to uh, remember it and take action so that this never happens again right, right. so um, so yeah and it was then that I was like okay maybe and you know of course Anna DeVere but this is where it was really really important that she exists and mm-hmm. she's done she invented the genre right. yeah. <laughs> and yeah i and i was like okay so it's not that it's never been done before and um so you play it all so in in the solo version obviously you play all of the different characters and you were able to put your mfa in acting uh it's a (laughs) full use right so full full circle right so in a way it was all working to come together to give you the ability to be able to do this solo version of your play and then to have it be done um, off Broadway must must feel very good uh, uh, at the Drama exactly. Desk Award winning um, fifty nine East fifty nine theaters right uh, at that part of the East yes. Edinburgh Festival and that was this summer in, in just a month uh, in July correct yeah yeah wow. and I was also worried about how it would be received because of course I don't have being a South Asian woman I don't have the lived experience of any of these people right Mm -hmm. and this is where i think stefan the importance of my having interviewed everyone and developed a personal connection Mm -hmm. and having spent so much time with them of course in person but even after that really i didn't 
I didn't fully appreciate it at that time when I was doing the interviews, how useful that would be going forward. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. So there's this one scene with, where I play Heather Hyrule's mom mm-hmm. that everyone talks about and says, oh, you know, how did, how did you do that? Or, or, or um, that was particularly, you know, evocative. So I think it's mainly because we sat in that room, <laughs> Boo Six, where we were shut out from the world completely, and she trusted me with her story mm. and her experience of what happened on that day. And there was definitely a connection that was established because <laughs> I remember she came to watch Elephant in the Room. She's uh, someone, I think when I was nominated for Broadway World of Wars, <laughs> Yeah, she's she's, she's become she's, she's become so lovely. A, a, a fan, right, and, and a supporter. She's invested a in in my yeah. art now, and that's, that's so lovely. lovely. Well, that's yeah. the wonderful thing about writing about existing people who exist and writing about stories that are happening right now, right? Instead of a a total fictionalized uh, play, which is also wonderful, but uh, writing something about an event, about uh, something so personal that touched and and hurt and 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 moved so many different people um that you're and, and that you're right there in charlottesville and you're able to talk to her mother heather Hare. um mother uh is really fantastic and of course for those listening and they may not know uh she was the the young woman that that was um that died on that day uh hit by um the one of the a car that went through someone who went through and plowed i think most uh the people in, in that were um there uh, gathered that day. Um, I think that, you know, it's really fascinating that you are now on this trajectory where you have developed this play, uh, you know, developed the elephant in the room, then the hashtag Charlottesville, and now you're working on a new play. Uh, we're almost out of time, so I want to be sure that I get this in. Uh, the Wall, this is the, the third play in your triptych, right, that you're working yeah. on, and you were handpicked for uh, the Kennedy Center Playwriting Intensive. When does that start, or has it started already? It has happened, you know, the last few months were uh, a <laughs> coaster, right? It started in, in July and um, ended early August. Yeah, it was uh, pretty intense, as the name said. <laughs> as, as it was said, it was going to be intensive. It was. Oh, and did gosh, it help yeah. You, did it help you take the play, The Wall, which is, talk a bit about The Wall. What is, what is your main theme in, in this one? Mm-hmm. Immensely. It, it helped me immensely because I was struggling that with Elephant in the Room, I knew I had an in. It was about my, um, you know, personal experience. And it was specifically about my transition from India to America mm-hmm. and everything that happened around that. With Hashtag Charlottesville, it became apparent that the in was the interviews with the community members. With The Wall, I was like, where do I even begin? Mm. Um, and I do remember somebody telling me that, Priyanka, you're struggling with your own immigrant experience right now it's not easy as an artist um to you know in uh, someone who's born outside of america to sort of there are so many things that you need to sort of encounter to even do the things that are minimal (laughs) you know i guarantee yeah and that's it's it's an important experience to share with american audiences because Mm -hmm. a lot of american audiences who may have been born here uh have forgotten 
um, the immigrant experience. We've forgotten, so many of us may be second or third or fourth generation or whatever at this point, and we've forgotten the, the, the difficulties that our ancestors had when arriving to the U.S. for the first time. It's not easy, right? You know, my mother yeah. and grandmother immigrated to the United States from Uruguay uh, in the late 60s. And so I have a firsthand wow. a- account of my grandmother having to learn a new language at 50 you know, having to oh learn having to learn to drive a car at fifty, she had never driven a car in her homeland. Um, so, and get a job and a career where she was always a, a homemaker. So, these are the things that people forget about the immigrant experience. What a what a challenge! What an effort it takes, and the people doing it must want to do it. Otherwise, why would they go through all the hardships? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's really such a challenge. And I always, you know, I have some some arguments with my father. You know, he, he grew up on a, on a small farm in Maryland. And um, we talk a bit sometimes about this voter who feels disenfranchised, maybe in rural mm-hmm. America, white, perhaps working class voter or a farmer who feels disenfranchised and feels like immigrants are coming to take their jobs or they feel like their hometowns are sort of in disrepair, you know, and that they want to fix their hometown. And I always say, why don't they just leave? Why don't they just go to the big city and start over like my mother and my grandmother did? You know, and my father's always, well, it's difficult to leave. And I'm always like, is it? Because my mother or my grandmother did it and they went 3,000 miles on a plane. Um, this is just get a bus and go to the next big city. You know, so I get a little critical yeah. and I know I shouldn't. There are many sides to the story. But, it, you know, the immigrant experience is critical and it's so great that you're writing about that. So the wall will be that will deal with the, with that theme mostly. Yeah, and, and I felt that just like the tweets, and, you know, mm. hashtag, the, the connective tissue, like the device that moved to play forward it's so important in solo shows right so i felt i realized through the kennedy center intensive and whatever writing that i was doing on my own that my own story can be that connective tissue mm. which can lead me into to step into other other people's mm. lives and experiences in terms of what's happening and or have happened uh with brexit detention centers and mm. uh the and now India is trying to ape America in terms of what they did, right? Uh, right? So right. it's, and I think, and then the revelation came to me that what was the root of all this, mm. right? Really history repeating itself over yes. and over again. Absolutely. And, you know, deep-seated, if Hindus and Muslims still can't stand each other because of the divide and conquer mm-hmm. uh, thing that the Brits pulled off, yes. <laughs> we're still not over it. Right. So it, uh, what happens now can have far-reaching effects into what people are going through in the future, right? Absolutely. So, and, and this is a very complex, multidimensional problem like somebody uh, once referred to just race and racism as a machine that no one's been able to hack and um this triptych is an attempt at hacking that and you know truly trying to figure it out uh, together your software your software engineer roots are coming through there priyanka that's wonderful to hear i'm telling you it's full circle yes so sadly we're out of time but before we go i want to make sure that people know where they can find out more about your plays, um, not just these, but anything else you might be working on. The Elephant in the Room, Hashtag Charlottesville, and The Wall, this triptych, wonderful triptych of solo plays. Tell us more. If people want to read the play, or can they, uh, you know, how can people find out where the play is being performed, when, sure. what's coming up, where do they need to go? 
Yeah, I think the best place is uh, my website, which is priyankashetty.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this, this triptych will have a nationwide rolling world premiere in 2022-23. Mm-hmm. So it will be available in multiple cities across uh, the U.S. to view two weeks apart. So you can experience all three plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so for information about that, you can go to my website. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And my handle is Priyanka Shetty Actor. Wonderful. So people can just uh, follow you and find out more and keep keep in touch and, and keep get the latest news as things develop. And we find out more about these plays. Branka, this is really exciting. Thank you so much for talking to us at American Theatre Artists Online. You have so much uh, wonderful um, creativity flowing through you. I can feel it through the through the phone. Line. <laughs> Thank you, Stefan, for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. So did I. And I hope that we'll have another one in a couple of years when your plays are being done all across the country. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Okay, have a great one. Thank you. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to the American Theatre Artists Online podcast. This episode was edited by Zach Walsh. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. If you'd like to share your feedback or send us comments, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at American Theatre Artists Online.